CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us. Look forward to being with you, as we always do, and I'm sincere about that. We always love to get together every weekday at this time, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events through a biblical perspective, and what we hear in church is that even in the Bible at all, if you've got a question you'd like to ask us, maybe you've been reading your Bible, someone's asked you a question, 88, 88, ask CSN's the number to call, and uh, we got some lines open, so you're sure to get on right now if you call again, 888-ASK-CSN. Joining me today's special guest, featured CSN speaker, comes on after To Every Man and Answer, Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Hi and welcome. Mike, good to be with you today. Looking forward to a great show and great questions. Well, the world's gone crazy. You know, every week it seems to go more crazy. Now, again, over the weekend, we had this giant earthquake uh, in North Africa. Uh, They're still counting bodies. Somewhere over 2,000 people are dead. Then uh, in uh, we had a a dam break uh, and uh, in Libya, and uh, there's um, what is it about 10,000 people dead? It's it's just, I mean, I mean, this and and then three weeks before or four weeks before, we had the uh, uh, the fire in Lahaina, uh, Hawaii, and and um. They really believe the locals there, not not, but the locals believe there's like five to six hundred dead. They still haven't found uh, so many of the people they can't find, and again, they weren't just burned in a fire; they were incinerated, they were cremated. Uh, the wind, uh, the fire was blowing the 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 wind was blowing the fire at a mile an hour, uh, uh, um, uh, a mile a minute. Excuse me, a mile a minute. And you can't run that fast. And so people were just literally incinerated as they were running. Um, and so crazy things in the world. We have, um, Jeff, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, amazing. You, you stop thinking about the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, uh, about the signs that would precede his coming. Of course, these things, earthquakes and famines have always happened catastrophic events in the history of mankind, the Black Plague that swept Europe in, in the 1400s. I mean, things that were awful. And and yet, uh, we're seeing them seemingly happen at the same time, uh, in sort of as a horrible symphony. And uh, so that makes one wonder, because yes, we've always had things like the plague, but the plague was a standalone catastrophic event of that time period but these are happening in more and more rapid succession and they are truly uh mind-boggling i mean 10,000 plus people gone uh you know however many were burned and uh, burned up in maui instantly just in a moment gone uh this earthquake um a couple of thousand or more gone and Jesus said, when you see these things happening, like a woman in travail with a baby, and we know what that's like, uh, the woman in travail with a with a baby, 
the birth pangs happen closer and closer together with greater and greater frequency and greater and greater intensity. And that is the word that Jesus brought. It's not that we've always, haven't always seen these signs, but when you see them happening with greater and greater frequency and intensity, that's, that's the sign. And so are we seeing that right now? Well, it's, it's certainly worth a thought because these things are coming like dominoes falling. Amen. It's, we're living in extremely, extremely exciting times. Work for the night's coming when no one can work. 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. If you want to be part of the program today, let's go to Randy, Roswell, New Mexico. Hi, welcome. Hi. How may we help? I've been studying the end time scenarios and Daniel and Revelation and such, and I can't figure out the uh, city of New Jerusalem. Is that going to be on the new earth or in the new heaven? Well, it's our eternal home. That I do know. Jeff, your thoughts? Well, if it landed on this earth, uh, it wouldn't be a fit because the Bible says that the New Jerusalem is spectacular. It's beyond all of our architectural dreams or fantasies or ability to even go there because not only will it be uh, sin-free, devil-free, um, total freedom, total peace, total bliss, Christ is the light of that place instead of the sun, but it's 1,400 miles long. 1,400 miles wide, and 1,400 miles tall. Now, uh, that would extend, if it, if it landed on this earth, if it came down, because the Bible says the New Jerusalem will come down out of heaven like a bride adorned for her husband. But if it did settle on this earth, uh, it would be 1,400 miles high. It would extend into space well beyond the upper atmosphere, and it would be 4,000 times as tall as the tallest building in the world right now. So it would seem to me that, uh, you know, the Bible does say that God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Now, will the new earth be able to hold, to uh, accommodate such a gigantic city? Think about it. 1,400 miles long and wide and high. So we're talking huge, gargantual. Would it take a new earth to be able to accommodate that? Well, it would, because this earth would not be able to do it. It would not, and not to mention it's not round, it's rectangular. So it's the same width and length and height. So it is a perfect square. So uh, I don't see how it could happen on this earth. Maybe on the new earth, God will uh, create it where it can accommodate that incredible, incredible city that is coming and that all the saints, all the redeemed are going to live in. What an exciting thing to think about. Amen. And so I hope that answers it for you. Somewhat. You know, where the Bible tells us that the this current earth and heavens melt with a fervent heat. So they're going to be gone. So the new that we see coming down and where we will be in that placement in the expanse of God's universe, I don't know. But there will be a place that is located 
by this new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven as um, this eternal home of ours where we're going to live, and that's where we're forever going to be. Now, whether we're in some kind of an expanse um, awaiting this to come down, being that the new, the old heavens and earth have, have, have uh, melted away, God's going to do something brand new. And so this is what we basically just take for what it says. And so anyhow. Yeah, if I could, if, if go, I could read, ahead, Mike, just out of 2 Peter 3, the old earth, this earth, is, is going to pass away. Revelations 21, before I go to Peter, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is Revelation 21, verse 1. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. So uh, now Peter tells us how they pass away. Second uh, Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord means the judgment of God. Uh, and then it says, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements, the earthly elements, will melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are in it shall be burned up. So God is going to do away with this current earth. It's going to burn up all the wicked works that are in it, all the sin, the sin, you know, the blood-stained ground, uh, stained with the blood of millions and millions of unborn children, uh, all of the horrible, terrible, blasphemous, sinful things that have happened on this earth. It's all going to be burned up. And John says a new heaven and a brand new earth are going to uh, appear. And so apparently this new earth is going to somehow accommodate this new Jerusalem, which again is, is huge and, uh, plenty of room for millions and millions and millions of the redeemed. So I hope that helps, uh, explain it a little bit, Randy. Yeah, it answers questions I couldn't figure out on my own. Well, keep reading, keep studying. If you come up with another question, Randy, we're here for you, okay? Thank you. If you like Stan the Lion, send you out the movie Jesus based on the book of Luke. I think you'll really enjoy that. Let's go to Don, New Orleans, Louisiana. Hi, welcome. Hi, Mike. This is my second time call. I called about a year ago about a question, and uh, now that was in Laughlin, Nevada. Now I live in... Uh, New Orleans, uh, we talked at that time, me and you have something common. We both spent some time in the tent uh, in, uh, when Chuck Smith was uh, over Calvary there in, um, in Santa Ana. My question is um, about the third heaven. And I, I guess I have a little confusion. I, I know God can't be near sin. And so I'm thinking, and you can straighten me out on this because I could be totally off the wall, that the third heaven is where he dwells in his throne, and he's not near sin. But the heaven that war in heaven was fought in with uh, Michael the Archangel and uh, possibly was the same place where uh, iniquity was found in, um, in, in Satan before he was cast to the earth, but God wasn't there because God can't be near sin. I don't straighten me out on that because that's something I've always been uh, a little confused about. It doesn't seem to be a whole lot of information. I know Ezekiel 10.1 speaks about a firmament of 
above something which, you know, maybe the third heaven. Paul talks about they're being caught up to the third heaven. I just don't understand um, the different levels of heaven, I guess. Well, Don, great question. And when Paul said, I was caught up in the third heaven, beheld God in his glory, he was addressing a, a Grecian culture, the Roman Grecian culture, which believed that there was the heavens where the birds flew, the atmosphere. Then there was the place where the stars, heavenly body, stars, moons, moon, cosmos, that was the second heaven. And then there was the third heaven where the gods dwelt. Paul is making a very clear differentiation here, saying, I was caught up into the third heaven, beheld God in his glory. Now, we find uh, when going back, um, Book of Acts and, and, and all, we find, you know, you men of Galilee, why set you here gazing into heaven? Were they looking into heaven number one, heaven number two, or heaven number three? I believe they were looking into heaven number one and two. They were looking up at the sky as Jesus ascended into heaven. Now, it doesn't say that he ascended and, and, and they, they saw God, uh, the Father there. and No, none of that. It just says that they were there. So we understand that. Now, going back to Satan, God did give angelic beings free will. We, we know this because a third of the host of heaven rebelled with Lucifer against uh, the Lord. Now, a lot of people wonder, what was this that this was over? And from what I have gathered, as I have looked at the Bible, you read Genesis, he made the earth, it was very good. Uh, you know, I, I believe almost everyone, except for maybe one time, one creation, the first one, uh, he says it was good or it was very good. Now, there would be no devil in a very good world. So I believe that Satan fell from heaven after the heavens and the earth were made, Jesus seems to back this up where he said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, uh, he had to go from somewhere to somewhere, and I believe he came to this earth. And I think this is when he beguiled Eve. Now, what was this pride that was in Lucifer? What caused this? Well, it's very clear that God was going to make humankind a little lower than the angels. The Bible states that. But then those who have never seen him, seen his power, majesty, and his glory, yet choose to love him and serve him, the Bible says he will elevate above, above the angels and call him his bride. I don't think that set well with Lucifer. I don't think it set well with the third of the angels in heaven that there was going to be a creation now greater than they are eventually. And so we find this rebellion that happened. Now, Satan's access to heaven has not been revoked. When you say, well, God won't stand sin in his presence. Well, it's not that it's it's practiced, but we find that Jesus said, and the, the Bible tells us a lot about this fallen creature. He's the accuser. He accuses the brethren day and night before the Lord. Now, that tells me, His access into heaven has not yet been revoked. His position in heaven has been taken away. But his his access to heaven has not yet been revoked. That doesn't happen until the middle of the tribulation period. We find there's a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought. The, The devil and his demons fought. And there was no place found for them in heaven 
ever again anymore. So I believe that this is why we find the outline the way that we do. Satan is bound for a thousand years and he's loose at the end of the millennial reign of Christ to give people a choice. And believe it or not, with all the modern psychology, well, the reason people are bad is bad things have happened to them because basically human nature is good. No, the Bible says human nature is fallen, desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? The Bible says. Man has lived in a perfect environment with perfect food, perfect perfect uh, climate, perfect everything. And for that, they still rebel against Jesus at the end. That dark heart is really dark. So I believe that this, again, just because Satan rebelled, evil was found in him, doesn't mean that God will never have him in his presence. The Bible very clearly says that he accuses him. In fact, if you go to Job chapter 1, it's there. Your thoughts? Yeah, Jesus, when he was asked about prayer, he said, okay, pray this way. And in Matthew 6, uh, verse 10, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus says, pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus lets us know that the will of God is perfectly done where he dwells in heaven. Then Paul comes in 2 Corinthians 12, 2, and tells us about his catching up, being taken up to the third heaven, where he saw and heard things that he was not allowed to ever utter on earth. So inexpressible things. So he was taken up to the third heaven, we have to assume, which is where God dwells, where his throne is, where right now Christ is at the right-hand side of God, and where the will of God is perfectly done. And so Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 that warfare happens also in heavenly places. Now, I can't believe that the warfare is happening where God's will is perfectly done. It seems that uh, it happens more in a secondary or a, a lower rung or a lower level or another type of heaven. So my understanding is the earthly atmosphere would be considered the first heaven. The second heaven is where spiritual warfare is waged. You think of, for instance, when Daniel was in prayer and Michael was sent with the answer to his prayer on the very first day. But Michael was withheld by what was called the Prince of Persia, which is clearly a satanic being. He was, he was uh, stopped and hindered in the second heaven. And finally, uh, Michael had to receive angelic help to break through and bring the answer to Daniel, which came three weeks later. So it would seem that there are possibly three levels of heaven. The earthly atmosphere, you can call that a heaven. The visible uh, heaven, the atmosphere, the sky. The second heaven would be where satanic warfare takes place. We're, we are battling spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So Paul places the battle that we wage with the devil in heavenly places. Well, not where God dwells because his will is perfectly done. It seems the battle is waged in a second heaven. And then the third heaven, uh, again, that's where God's will is perfectly done. Now that's, 
the way I see scripture, that's what it seems to me. Uh, we're being told about these, these three levels. And since Paul did specify a third heaven, not just I was taken up to heaven, but the third heaven, then apparently he believed there was a second and a first. So the earthly atmosphere, second heaven where battle is waged spiritually, third heaven where God's will is done. And uh, that's the way I, I read the scripture. I hope that helps. Great explanation. Hey, guys, you know, I, me and my wife pray for you guys all the time, and I am totally in agreement with that guy that um, called uh, yesterday. You guys are such, so needed at this in these times. And, man, you don't know how much good you do for everybody because you you've done a lot of good for me. You've done a lot of good for the people that I know that listen to you. And keep up the good work. You guys are really a blessing. God is good. And uh, again, I'm so glad that the Lord uses people like like uh, us to to encourage others. I know I know I've been encouraged by others as well. God is good and he's he's the reason we do what we do and we just got to keep our eyes on him. You know a lot of people say, "Well, I'm not good enough uh for God to use me." None of us are. We're we're all we all fall short of God's grace and God's love. But you know what? God is bigger than the things we've done wrong. And so we just continue to push on to that high calling, that mark of God. So, Don, stay on line if you like. Send you out the movie Jesus. I think you'll be blessed by it. And let's go to Wesley in Weatherford, Texas. Hi, welcome. Good afternoon. My question is on James 5, 16b. We were listening to Christian radio this afternoon, and we heard a lady quote that as, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous woman availeth much. What, what, what's your thinking on that? Well, it says the prayer of a righteous man, but I believe it's the prayer of, of the righteous, period. I, I think yeah. that that's what, what, what the target is, is that, but uh, you, you can't really change it to, to a woman. That's not what the Bible says. It does say man, but the, I believe that the idea here is that anybody uh, that's called by the name of Christ that um, uh, can pray for somebody and, and, and unite in prayer on that particular topic, and God will hear it. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the original Greek text, anthropos, it's man. But, you know, she might could have put it this way, the prayers, special prayer of a righteous person avails much. I don't know why she would say woman unless she was talking to women. And yeah, she was doing a women's conference. Because, yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah. So they just need to be encouraged. But, uh, you know, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person releases great power, dynamic, and it's working, the Amplified Bible says. So, uh, you know, she's right, but not exclusively so. It's a righteous person. So I hope that helps. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. I think the prayers of a woman and a man have the same standing. Yeah. Uh, I just think we have the right to change the wording because that can really get us in trouble when we're interpreting Scripture. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and I can understand somebody saying that, um, uh, uh, you know, if I was, maybe if I was talking to a, a group of, uh, uh, you know, high schoolers, you know, the, 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 the prayer of... Uh, of, of a high schooler availeth much. You know, I mean, I mean, you you can, I, I think they just took a little liberty there. Um, uh, and as long as they're not trying to exclude that and make it some kind of a modification gender thing. But uh, the it, in reading it in context, 
you understand uh, what what James is talking about there. So I hope that helps. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Wesley, stay on the line. Send you out the movie Jesus. Great for evangelism. Share your, with your friends based on the book of Luke. I think you'll enjoy it. Let's go to Jeremy, Santa Clara, Utah. Hi, welcome. Oh, hi. Brothers, I just have a question. Um, as a born-again Christian, I do a little bit of street preaching and try to go to deliver gospel tracts. Yeah. And I ran across the Jehovah Witnesses outside of the library, which I gave them a gospel tract, talked about the three truths uh, every Jehovah Witness should know uh, from these uh, league tracts that I have. And he kind of had a question, or he did ask me a question that threw me back, and I I know God is eternal, and he's not a created being, speaking of Christ. But then he said, you know, because I told him that they believe that the thing that I go against Jehovah Witness, I had to tell that to him, uh, was that they believe that Adam, I mean, uh, Mike, Michael the Archangel and Jesus, they, they interpret that as Jesus. But then also he said... Um, something more of that, because when I, I had mentioned that Jesus was not a created being, you know, suffering from uh, Mormonism myself, I pulled out of that. But I said, you know, he's not a created being. The Bible shows that, and there's the Trinity. And he says, well, then what is uh, this reference in Colossians uh, chapter 1, 15 and 16 that says uh, Jesus was the firstborn of all creation? Mm-hmm. And it threw me back because I... I was trying to say, well, he's just talking about he created all things and, you know, how the verse goes on. But it threw me back, too, because I thought, I can't say that that relates to him coming through Mary. But I, I, I guess it's because, you know, I suffered also with when I was young in Christ uh, with the concept. Somebody says, you know, Jesus is uh, the firstborn uh, resurrected from the dead. And I said, well, you know, but he resurrected others. So that scripture can be. You know, of course, he was the one doing the resurrection of Lazarus and the the, the girl, and but you know, so I can understand that. But with the, him being the firstborn of creation, I stumbled a little bit. In I says, you know, I'll have to call this Christian station. Well, I I, I, I'm Christian glad you did, and and uh, we're going to talk about this. We are coming up on a break, so we're not going to be able to get completely into it. But the thing you want to remember is he's the first bearer of all creation. That word firstborn can be taken a couple different ways. Now, they're thinking firstborn like firstborn boy in a family. But no, it's talking about he's the first bearer of all things. And this goes back to John, 1 John. All things were made by him and without him, not anything that's made was made. We'll talk more of this on the other side of the break. We are on that break and coming up, we'll be right back with more. More than ever, pastors need to feel people's love and support. Over the last few years, many pastors have seriously considered leaving their church. But 1 Thessalonians 5.12 instructs all churches and all Christians to show and share their deep appreciation for those who minister to them. There is no better time to do this than Pastor Appreciation Month in October. And there's no better way to do it than using the easy as one, two, three Bless Your Pastor materials that are available for free at blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Plus, the great news is that if your church uses the one, two, three Bless Your Pastor materials, the pastors at your church will be offered a $300 scholarship application to attend a Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage Retreat. What a blessing this will be to your pastors and their spouses. 
For free materials, go to blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Hey, this is Brant along with Sherry here. And so you hear me doing these spots for MediShare, and Sherry actually helps me with them. I get people actually in person saying, okay, Brant, for real, do you recommend this? Like, yeah, uh, for real, I actually do. I'm not just saying stuff. So family, friends ask me about it. I'm like, yes, you should look into this. It's really a great option for a lot of people. That's what I tell people my experience has been. MediShare has been fantastic for me. It's so different from health insurance in a lot of great ways, honestly. Yeah. And see, a lot of people who've switched tell me that it's the same reaction. They're very, very happy with it. And it gives them peace of mind and saves them a lot of money. I would tell people, look into it. Yep. Uh, So really, for reals, uh, if you want to talk to them, they're great to talk to. I think you'll be impressed and happy you looked into it. So um, you do the phone number. I'm actually tired of doing all the phone numbers. (laughs) Okay. Call now. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Nice job. Thanks. want to welcome you back to part two of Jeffrey Man Answer here on this Wednesday afternoon with Jeff Wickwire. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. We went to the break. We were speaking with Jeremy in Utah asking about, well, what's this verse in Colossians that says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation? Well, what's that about? Jehovah's Witnesses was trying to tell him, well, see, Jesus was a created being. Of course, that is not true. And this is the way the cults always work. They take one verse out of context and build theologies upon it, completely, completely ignoring all the other verses that speak of Jesus Christ, his preexistence, that he is God. They leave those verses out cleverly, such as John eight fifty eight. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. He was claiming to be ego amini. Now, in the original Greek, that's the way it reads. But oh no, not in the New World Version. They chopped that verse all to pieces. It doesn't even come close to anything in the original Greek manuscripts. Because in John 8, 59, it says they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because he was claiming to be God. The same I am that spoke to Moses in the burning bush, Jesus was claiming that's his name. Jesus said before Abraham was I am. And so the idea then that Jesus was a created being is really where the Jehovah's Witnesses stand, and this is improper, incorrect. Again, you can go to Matthew chapter 1. He shall be called, speaking of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, and then in your Bible, these words appear, translated means God with us. Yes, that's who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is Jehovah to me. So very important as we understand these these things. Now, going back to this verse, the first bearer or the firstborn of all creation. Jeff, your thoughts. Yeah, uh, this is a a beautifully uh, Christological set of passages. I mean, Paul really tells us who Jesus was and is. He really explains it and and explains it in such a way that uh, the cults of his day, the false teachings of his day, could not gainsay or resist it because he's he's telling us here the the word firstborn is prototokos that's the Greek word and prototokos has to do with 
rank or uh, position, not like the firstborn of five kids. It's talking about his rank, his position, that he is uh, above all things, that he is sovereign over the entire universe, that there is none uh, greater than him. That's the idea behind Prototokos. So uh, Paul is telling us he's the image of the invisible God, and he's the, the firstborn or sovereign or above in rank every other creature, which of course he is because he's God the Son. And uh, so for by him were all things created. Paul is making it very clear in the very next verse that you're not talking about a being that was somewhere in time created, but was the creator, as John 1 tells us. He says, for by him were all things created. And then he specifies things in heaven, things that are on earth, and invisible and visible thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, um, and so on it goes. So Paul's wanting to be sure we get it, that Jesus was God, is God, God the Son. He's the second person of the Godhead, and the Godhead consisting of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three distinct personalities, uh, but one essence. And so clearly these two verses, other than aside from telling us that um, Jesus was created, they are really making sure we get that he was never created, that he pre-existed, and that he has a higher rank than any created thing. And that's the idea behind Prototokos. I hope that helps. Yeah, it does. I, I told him, you know, and I was first born again, I told him, uh, um, yeah, it, it, God changes not our language and um, our, the meanings of things, but it gives us the original. I believe, you know, that's how the Word of God has life to it. You know, so I I, I, I guess I kind of was trying to say what you said about it being like born, like carried, like with an E. And then, you know, like uh, Pastor Wickwire said with a, a higher rank. But <clears throat> so, yeah, that was um, that was kind of, you know, I tried to get that through to him. But, you know, he was in his. No, they want to describe they want to they want to dismiss all the verses that are so expl- explicitly clear that Jesus Christ is God. That And so they have to completely rewrite the Bible to suit their own belief. And then, but wait, there's more. 2013, they rewrote the New World Version with 10% less words than the 2012 version. Wow. So if we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, and they willy-nilly just go through it and take away uh, uh, 10% more words, boy, I'll tell you, what is this uh, New World version light? I I don't get it. And so this is some of the problems that you find there. And um, again, the the verses that speak of Jesus Christ's deity, they have have really went after uh, erasing that. If you go into the original language, they completely have obliterated scripture there. So again, John 8, 58, John 8, 59, uh, there's really no excuse for it. So uh, this is what is so tragic. But first bearer of all creation. Yes, he's the one that was the originator of all things made. That's why it says that. He's the firstborn. In other words, he's the first one that created all these things. And when you tie it in with 
all things were made by him and without him, not anything that is made is made. It makes perfect sense. Yes, I get it. But to see, and this is the way they always do it. They take a verse out of context and build a whole theology upon it completely, completely disregarding the other verses that speak of this. You can go to Revelation chapter 22. I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. This is the exact title God has. And he says, I, Jesus, have sent these, th- this message, uh, these to you. Uh, Jesus is the one that is saying that he's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. Uh, like I say, it's, it's, it's everywhere through the Bible of the deity of Jesus Christ. And you got to continue to scrub it and scrub it. But that blood just keeps coming out. Jesus is God. Hope that helps, Jeremy. Yeah, um, I did have one more. If that's sure. Good, just a, a question real quick yeah. about the Maui fires. But because I know that Pastor Daryl Skinner is close to that area, I'm wondering if, if that affected him. I haven't heard him on the program for a while. It did not and, affect him, but he's going to be on the air with me tomorrow. And we're going to do our very best to give everybody a... Um, not filtered through American media, but actually what's really going on there. And um, uh, like I've shared this, uh, Jeff, I don't know if if you were on the air with me when I shared this, but I ran into a guy. uh, I'll I'll just tell you the the whole story very quickly. Uh, uh, There was a guy in downtown Hilo on Friday night. He held up a sign that said, Jesus saves. And this um, guy comes up and he looks at us and he said, Jesus saved me. And I said, well, that's really good. How'd he save you? And he said, I was in the Lahaina fire. He said that mm. uh, I, I, uh, I, I could smell the smoke and feel the heat. I got in my truck to leave. He says, I went out and to get on the highway um, to, to leave town. And it was just bumper to bumper traffic because the power poles had fallen down over the roads and closed the roads. He said, so I backed up. He said, the smoke was so black. I hit a telephone pole. He says, I lived there for 22 years. He said, I hit a telephone pole. I didn't even know it was there. I couldn't even see it. He said, so I got out of my truck and I ran towards the water. And as I'm running towards the water, he said, I could see people laying on the ground He said, I don't know if they were dead or not or just passed out from the smoke. And I was running and there was a lady there from Texas. She was 70 years old and she was a short lady. And he looked at and she was bewildered, like what in shock. And he said, follow me or you'll die. And so she followed him down to the water's edge. And he says, you have to get in the water. And she goes, I don't know how to swim. He says, get in the water. I'll help you. I'll save you. So he gets in the water then uh, brings her into the water. He said, I knew where there was a, a a reef about 200 feet out in the water that I could stand on. So I swam out there to it with her holding on to her. And he said, we got out there to it only to find that she was too short to stand on the reef. Her face would have been underwater. So I told her, climb up on my back and I'll, I'll, I'll save you. And for eight hours... He said she climbed up on his back until the Coast Guard early in the morning, right at daybreak, came and rescued him. He said you could hear people screaming 
dying in the Horrible. fires. He Horrible. said he said you could you he said you could hear uh, things exploding, the car gas tanks exploding, people screaming, and he said I had to watch that for 8 hours as I watched my town that I that I lived in, I had my business in completely be destroyed. Friends, yeah, what um, a picture of salvation. Man, I'll tell you, and I, I I just looked at the guy and I said, I need to pray for you. And I just laid my hands on him. And Scotty, if you're listening, I love you. And I'm and God's going to use you in a great way. And I put my hands on Scotty and the other brother that was there holding the sign. And I just said, Lord, you know, he's seen a lot of things in the last in the last few days. I pray he never forgets that. He dedicates his life to you, to telling people about a real heaven and that there is a real hell where people are tormented forever. And and uh, what a beautiful metaphor that and, uh, you know, grab my yeah, hand. Yeah. And she was she couldn't see where she was going. Neither does mankind really see anything where he's going. He's blinded by the God of the world, this world, Satan. Jesus says, take my hand. He leads you to a safe place. And you got to get on his shoulders or you'll sink. Yep. And then get on his shoulders and you're saved while people around you perish. I mean, not that I'm looking for a metaphor from that tragedy, but what a metaphor that is. Yeah, yeah. 70 years old from Texas, by the way. Mm. And and uh, she said that he said that that um, we all we all were safe, but was so amazing that people it, the fire was moving a mile a minute, and because it was moving, you can't run you can't run a mile a minute. Uh, that's sixty miles an hour. Uh, he said that people would open the door to leave their home, and they'd feel a hot hundred and thirty degree wind hitting them, and so they'd go back in the house where it was a little cooler. Well, that was their death trap because then when they finally realized they were going to have to leave their house, it was on fire. The wind outside now was 500 degrees and they opened the door. Their hint, their skin was just burnt right off of them. It, it was just mm. absolutely. It wasn't that the town burned, which was so tragic, but it's the way that hundreds of people died and children died. And I just look at it. I just go, wow, how incredible. And a lot of the, uh, my my friends that are there on in the smaller towns i'm not talking about honolulu but when you're when you get into the smaller towns communities lahaina hilo uh uh kona uh the the different the different uh, towns around there uh so many people are are relatives to each other and so he said i i came back to hilo because i had nothing left my car was gone my business was gone he said, the only thing I left with was the clothes on my back. He said, and every, his life. And my life. He said, I left. There, there was nothing that I had left. And so. You know, Jesus incredible. said, it's, it's, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Because they wanted to know, hey, Lord, what about the Tower of Siloam that fell on uh, those people and they were instantly killed? And Jesus said, do you think that they were worse sinners than than you? But if you don't repent, you will also likewise perish. So Jesus' message in the midst of a terrible tragedy always was, it's not when you die, but are you ready to die? That was the main thing. And so unless unless all of us repent, we will also likewise perish one day and die in our sins. So, you know, again, uh, it, it helps to turn to Scripture at a time like this and 
and get the real message from it. And that is, you never know when your last day is going to come. When those people went to bed that night, never did they for a moment think this is, this is my last time to lay my head on my pillow. This is it. Yeah. They didn't, they but didn't. it came. And, and it came so fast. That's what was so incredible. And um, so anyway, our prayers uh, for all of you. They, uh, we do have a radio station there. Uh, CSN is there as well as The Effect. And uh, I just want all of you to know we're praying for you and our heart goes out to you. And uh, for all those that, that are uh, there are, are again, um, Jesus is the answer. And I'll tell you, um, um, it, it's... It's so bad. It, it, I, I was, you know, we, we got to see a lot of pictures that other people didn't get to see. And it, it's just beyond anything you can describe. It's just, mm-hmm. just like it just got blast furnace off the earth. And, and uh, so anyway, Jeremy, I hope that answers your question for you. But uh, there's still hundreds and hundreds of people missing, which are, are now presumed dead. Uh, they, the locals, the locals, this was right when they were saying when the when the it went up from I think 113 to 115 dead, the locals there were saying it was 480 dead. So um, I don't know if we'll ever really fully have a a number on that, but there's still literally hundreds and hundreds of people missing. So anyway, uh, keep praying. It's for just strength for those uh, for those that are there to just not lose heart and give up. Jeremy, I hope that helps. Yeah, it does. Um, let me say one thing. I needed a prayer for a uh, request for my own uh, respiratory help. But also I, I gave my, uh, my my father today a book on um, the misguided by Mormons, and he just gave it back to me and rejected it. So for my, my, my parents, too, that are still lost in Mormonism. But also... Um, uh, in regards to the Maui fires, what they another thing the news didn't say is that their suit Lahaina is suing um, the uh, the colored official or the electric company because they didn't shut the electricity off, which made it intense and the winds. Well, Jeremy, there's a lot of there's a lot of issues there. Uh, I don't believe you know uh, you know Hawaii is is a, a very relaxed place. I don't believe that anybody. And for that matter, any town, with maybe the exception of Honolulu, uh, was even thinking that any kind of a disaster like this could even happen. This uh, caught everybody by surprise. Now, I've heard a lot of really crazy stuff. Well, it was laser beams that started the fire. No, it wasn't laser beams. It was a 60-mile-an-hour wind, and the, the poles fell over. Uh, or it was I, I don't know whether it fell over or somebody ran into the pole, fell over, uh, started the fire. Uh, if they would have if they would have shut the power off, they would have sued him because they shut the power off. If they left the power on, they're going to get sued because they left the power on. So so yeah, there's probably things that could be done. Very reminiscent of the Paradise California fire that was started with power lines uh, and stuff. Um, so. But they're not used to that kind of, of uh, nor really, I mean, California wasn't either uh, for that kind of, that kind of, uh, I hate to say perfect storm, but that's what it was. You had dry conditions, you had extremely high winds, uh, and um, 
you, the, the problem was the, the kids, you know, went, they went home early uh, uh, and it was just the perfect storm for a, a dis- complete disaster. Uh, people said, well, why didn't they sound the uh, tsunami horns? That would have warned people. Well, then instead of running to the ocean, they would have ran away from the ocean. And the ocean is what saved so many people there. Uh, the heat was so intense, it burnt the boats. Just the hot air caused the boats to burst into flames. I mean, this is a fire that, like, we've not really seen. So uh, it's it just so many things. Uh, well, you know, they just want to take all that land and build, you know, skyscrapers on it. I, I really don't believe that. I think this was a real fire that happened by unfortunate circumstances. I always think there are opportunists, though, that want to come in and and scam the poor locals. Uh, uh, And I would invite them not to do that. Uh, But um, you got to realize that that they really haven't got very much help so far. Um, Now, Joe Biden was there and said that he would give all the families $700 apiece. And, of course, the news media didn't carry this, but somebody yelled out, well, thanks for the trip to Costco. Um, a couple of Hawaiians that I know said, I wonder if we can go into Mexico, break into America as illegals, and then we can get about $3,000 a month, and then that way we can make our bills. That's what they said. I, I'm just saying what was said. So we understand we're in a very, very unusual time in our world right now. And so uh, when you see the ongoing, almost bi-weekly now, global catastrophes, whether it's earthquakes or whether it's dams breaking, um, Jeff, again, your thoughts on that? Well, Jesus said before his return, you would see many uh, natural disaster type things, famines, earthquakes, pestilences. Uh, and then Jesus said in many places. But when you look at the, uh, the, uh, Greek language and in, in which, uh, it hit this report of what Jesus said was written, then you come away understanding that he was saying, uh, well, and he actually did say, it'll be like a woman in travail with a baby. And, uh, so how does that happen? Well, if you're a parent, you know how it happens. The woman goes into labor pains and, at first, they're 15 minutes apart, then 10, then 5. And the closer it comes to the birth, you have the labor pains happening with greater intensity and greater frequency. And Jesus said, that's how it will be with these natural disasters, earthquakes and uh, famines and pestilences and so on and so forth. They will happen with greater and greater frequency and intensity. And is that happening right now? Well, Right now, they are certainly happening with greater intensity and frequency of recent earthquake killing over 2,000, the Maui fire, uh, then this, uh, terrible flood in Libya where, uh, it, it looks like it's going to end up being 10 to 15,000 or more. Just these kinds of things. And again, when you see these things that you, you've got to come back to what Jesus said. Are you ready? Because all of these signs, most of them happen quickly, suddenly, without warning. Even the return of Christ is going to be quick, like a thief in the night, without warning. 
So the key thing is be ready. Always be ready uh, to meet your maker because you never know when that time is going to come. Amen. So I hope that hope that helps, Jeremy. And and uh, now, did you just pray for you real quick? Yeah, yeah, and my folks and the, the reject of the book, and yeah. Well, Lord, first we lift up Jeremy's health. We just ask you to touch him, heal him. And Lord, those that are listening that need a touch from you, that you would do that as well. Lord, we lift up his parents to you, Lord, uh, that you would bind Satan from their mind, that they would see the great opportunity that they have to have their sins forgiven, not by works, but Lord, by simply faith in you, that you, King of glory, would do a work in their life. Give Jeremy the right words, the right heart, and Lord, may you, again, just touch the people in a way, Lahaina, encourage them in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremy, stay online. We'll send you out uh, the movie Jesus. I think you'll enjoy that. And with that, we'll go to Rod, St. George, Utah, not t- too far away. Hi and welcome. Hey, how's it going? Good. How may we help? Okay, I have a quick question. I know you're pressed for time here. Uh, my wife and I were in the uh, hotel here, and she was doing a study, and she said, I have a question for you. And she said, we know there was uh, giants mm-hmm. because of um, and before the flood. Yes. But after the flood, mm-hmm. how did the giants occur? And I said, well, it's a really good question. I listened to every man and answer. I've heard it, but I can't recall. Um, but let's just pray about it. And so I, here we are calling. I, I think there's always him. mutations. We have Andre the Giant. We have a lot of other p- people that have been very, very tall. And of course, if those people had kids together, uh, tall women, tall men, uh, you could you could see how you could, after a period of, of maybe 50, 100 years, have, have a pretty tall group of people. Your thoughts? Yeah, and, and the Philistines were, you know, giant-like people. I think it's just a matter of genetics. Those The giants prior to the flood were not unique as in uh, they can't be again or uh, appear again. Uh, Genetics, especially once man fell, genetics went awry. So not only do you have giants, but you have uh, what we call today, uh, you know, little people. Uh, You have all different kinds of uh, folks that are born with different uh, characteristics. So whether they're giants or little people, uh, genetics, particularly a fallen man, again, uh, genetics went awry. And uh, we read of the giants that had six fingers and six toes. Well, that's genetic mutation. And that's the result of the fall. And so really, that's a pretty simple explanation for it. Yeah, I do not believe that they were half angelic or demonic forces and and human beings. I reject that. And that was rejected by the Bible up until about 350 A.D. And so just to let you know that. Stay in line. We'll get those out to you. Thanks, uh, Jeff, for being on. Look forward to being back with you tomorrow. So until then, God bless you and good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. 
To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 